Hello and welcome to this episode of the 5Ws podcast. In this episode, we are taking a binged look at the Netflix series Sweet Tooth. I'm Maka and I'm here with AJ. So let's get things started. Who? The star of this show is the character Sweet Tooth, also known as Gus. Played by a Christian Converi I'd assume that's a correct, correct pronunciation. That's my Converi, uh, yeah. Converi, yeah. Um, Gus is a inverted in inverted commas hybrid, mostly human, but also part deer. More on him later. The show really has an amazing cast overall, so it's probably not ideally fair to single out any particular actor. But he does a really good job because he's the one of the youngest regular cast yeah, members. Yeah. Okay. What? The Netflix adaptation of the DC comic book Sweet Tooth. Now, when we say DC, it's actually Vertigo imprint, whatever it, it is. It was Vertigo when it first came out, yeah. Yeah, so was Vertigo not part of DC then, or has it always been part of DC? Oh, it, it's an, it was an imprint of DC Comics. Okay, cool. All right, just clarifying. Where? Set in a post-apocalyptic virus-ravaged world. Sound familiar at all? <laughs> when? I don't think a date is given. The technology they have is pretty much the equivalent of what we have in our world right now. Why? Even though this show was in production before the emergence of the pandemic in 2019, it is clearly made as a sort of mirror to our society today. Not exactly the same as where we are today, but in many ways, it's not that different either. So yeah, yeah. Just, just serendipitous, or no, <laughs> add serendipitous, I guess, that it's like, oh, we're making a show about a virus-ravaged world. Oh, look, it's a virus-ravaged world now. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, we'll do this episode a bit differently to our normal format. We will do a brief recap of what the series is about, but we're not going to go into as much detail as normal because it's eight episodes and, you know, it's just good to watch it. Uh, then we'll talk about some of the key characters, then the adaptation itself, and why we think you should definitely be watching this show. Start, Start brief summary recap. <laughs> The series starts off in something very close to our present day. Two potentially devastating events happen at the same time. Yeah. People believe that the events are linked, but they are not sure how. Like us and our time, a deadly virus has appeared. The symptoms are very flu-like, except for one important difference. One symptom is that the little finger on the infected individual starts to twitch uncontrollably, making it easy to spot. The disease, known simply as the sick, spreads quickly into the worldwide pandemic, killing millions. At the exact same time the sick appears, something else happens, and it's even more bizarre. All over the world, women who are pregnant start to give birth to children who seem to be part human, but also part animal. Some children are almost completely animal, while others seem to be mostly human, with only a few features indicating that they are part animal as well. In the case of our main character, Sweet Tooth, it's a pair of deer horns that mainly indicate his hybrid nature. From what we understand, these are the only types of children that are born after the emergence of the disease. These children are called hybrids. Many of these hybrids are a mix of human and mammal, but we have seen ones that include elements of birds and reptiles, I don't think we've seen any fish ones or anything like that, have we? Nothing, no, I don't think so. Nothing either. particularly um, aquatic or anything like that. But yeah, just a really strange sort of um, thing. Unsure if hybrids are the cause or result of the virus, many humans fear and hunt them. 
So you have these two events taking place at the same time, which is enough to bring about what is known in the show as the Great Crumble. Essentially, democratic governance and respectable society collapses completely. At least in North America, we were never really given any perspective of what happens in the rest of the world. When our story really begins, 10 years after these catastrophic events, a lot has changed in society. Those who have survived are forced to isolate themselves either in gated communities or just in their homes, only coming out to gather supplies they need to survive. Society itself seems to have come under the control of a paramilitary group known as the Last Men. They seem to control much of the society and the comings and goings of the civilians. So 10 years after the Great Crumble is where our story really begins. We see this world through the eyes of several groups of characters. At first, these groups seem to be totally disconnected, but it slowly emerges that they are things linking the characters in our story. This structure is very similar to the first four to five seasons of Game of Thrones. Groups of characters far from each other struggling to survive in the world. It's only at the end that things start to come together and make more sense. While the sick has subsided over the last 10 years, it still exists, it's still out there, and it re-emerges in waves. So the race is on to find out how to treat this disease effectively and maybe, possibly, find a cure for it somehow. And brief, brief summary, summary recap. Okay, so um, just I'll just talk. We'll just talk briefly about that. So it, it's got a fairly complex storyline, and I'm I'm not saying you have to struggle to keep up with it, but there's a lot to keep up with. You know what mm. I mean? It it it's got it's it's got a lot of fairly complex elements in there and that sort of thing. And some people would probably even prefer some storylines over others and that sort of thing as well. So, what did you think about the storyline overall? Yeah, I, I loved it. I, it it it. I know later on, I think in your notes, you mentioned that there's, it, you think it's a mashup of something. I'm going to mention that it's a mashup of something else later on as well. But hmm. um, yeah, it, it just, just rung all my bells, um, this show. Yeah. It's just yeah, so well done, yeah. so well written. So, I mean, I, I yeah. still haven't read the source material properly, but I know the writer Jeff Lemire or the creator uh, of mm-hmm. the comic, he, I've enjoyed other stuff that he's written. And um, yeah. Would you be game enough to go into the source material now or are you going to wait until the show's done? No, I'm gonna. I, I I have had plans to read it. I just I've been lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses. I've been playing boy. my I've been playing my Nintendo Switch instead of reading comics. <laughs> naughty, I know. That's very naughty. Oh my god! I haven't played games for months, but yeah, it, it, it's fair enough. Yeah, it's that sort of thing. But like I say, I'd, I'd be interested in looking at the source material. But for me, I'm gonna wait until the show's done. Because uh-huh. I, I, I don't know what's scattered where. That there's, there's supposed to be changes between the comic book and the TV show, which is fair enough. That sort of thing usually happens just to give these things more of a sort of like streamlined mm-hmm. um, storyline and all that sort of stuff and narrative and all that sort of thing. So I, I don't mind that sort of thing. And I know it's not going to be exactly the same, but I'm, I'm just going to hold off for now. And um, when, when, when the series is done, and I, I don't know when it's going to be done even, even because... You know, we're at the end of season one. There's obviously going to be a season two, but um, I don't know if it's going to go beyond that or what's going to happen. I'm sure the powers that be would like for it to go forever since it's been successful. Mm. But if it's got a limited storyline, it's got a limited storyline and it should stay that way. So um, we've binged it. So we're just going to now look at some of the characters and groups of characters that exist in the show just to give you a rough outline 
of who they are and what they what they're up to and all that sort of thing. Some of these ones I've listed the actors. Some of them I haven't, but whatever. They're they're all. It's a really great cast in this show. Like I said, I you know Gus is the main Gus or Sweet Tooth is the main character, but it it's equally about everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm, it's, yeah. it, it, it's it's really critical to everybody else involved in this. So. So we've got, first we've got Gus and Big Man. We've got Gus, a.k.a. Sweet Tooth, um, Christian Converi, as I said before. And we've got Big Man, who is Tommy Jeppard, um, a.k.a. Bitman. I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. This is the actor's name, Nonso Anozi. Anozi, I think, yeah. Yeah, he used to be in Game of Thrones. One thing I did did notice, I, I looked back at the first episode and in sort of like one of the first shots of the first episode before before the world goes to hell, um, they pan, they they go into the hospital and they have a big screen TV set up in the hospital, and there's a football game going on and it pans right past Jeppard at the football game mm. with he's, his team. He's sort a former of player, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a former football player, but you, you don't know that. You know, I'm giving away a bit of an Easter egg, but yeah. But <laughs> when you first see him, you, you don't know who he is, and, and you're just saying, "Oh, football game." When you see it the second time, it's like, "Oh, wait, there he is." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, you got those two. And you got eventually Rebecca Walker, mainly known as Bear, Stefania Lavi Owen, and they are the main characters we are following in this series. Gus is a human deer hybrid who spends the first 10 years of his life living in isolation in, in a wilderness, wilderness area of Yellowstone National Park with his father. His father, he calls Pubba, wants them to stay isolated in the wilderness for as long as possible where they are both safe. But Pubba eventually dies when Gus is nine years old and Gus then discovers a metal box buried under a tree, which contains a picture of what he believes to be his mother, a woman called Birdie. The word Colorado is written on the photo. And it was really, I like the way they picked up the fact that um, later on they picked up that it was Red Rocks in the background mm. um, and the photo of Birdie. And it's like, I didn't pick up on that straight away. And I should have, because I've seen Red Rocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> he lives... Um, in so like his sheltered enclosure for a year after his father de- after his father's death, and then he sets a fire um, before deciding to leave him and his father's spot in the wilderness to find his mother. The fire alerts nearby hunters to his location, and they try to murder Gus for sport. And also, we discover later on for his body parts because the body parts of the hybrids are prized, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, however, Gus speaks and the hunters are visibly surprised because apparently not many of them speak. Um, they are soon killed by Tommy, Tommy Jeppard, a lone traveller who afterward try, afterwards tries to, get, tries to leave Gus behind, telling Gus to stay where he is so he'll be safe. Gus won't be having any of that and he follows Jeppard, <laughs> who after a while decides that he will take the boy to Colorado where he believes his mother is. Um, he, did, he knows that Gus needs help. Otherwise, he will just simply end up dead if he's by himself on the outside, which is a scary prospect because he's just a kid. The two start to forge a bond between them. In his past life, as, as we mentioned before, before the sick, Jeppard was a pro footballer and quite the celebrity, apparently. So some people recognize him when he, does, when he is out in public, others do not. So, yeah, anything to add to that? I think I'd. No, I think you covered it perfectly there. <laughs> yeah, I think I've covered most of it, like I say. And and what I've covered there really only covers the first episode or so. So, you know, like I say, I don't want to give away too many major huge spoilers, but their their adventures are really interesting. And, and you know, there's a growing bond between them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Bear, Tiger and the Animal Army. This is a group of teenagers that Big Man and Gus end up encountering. 
They are very similar to the lost boys of Peter Pan, even though many of them are girls. They were young children when the Great Crumble began and most of them were orphaned. This meant that they were put into a situation where they had to stick together for protection to raise themselves. By the time they reach their young adulthood, they are very distrustful of adults and still live like grown-up children. When we first meet them, Bear is their leader and her best friend, Tiger, is second in command. Through talking to Gus, Bear starts to have some doubts about their attitudes and lifestyle, and she even starts to grow up a bit and begins to see the failings of the lifestyle the animal army are living. These realizations ultimately bring Bear into conflict with the rest of the animal army, and she has to make a choice as to what sort of life she is going to live. So yeah, another really interesting character. I'm not going to give any give away any more about her at this stage. Um, the actress does a great job. Yeah, she, she's really good. I think she's got um, New Zealand and American um, heritage and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it probably made it easier when they're working in New Zealand. She does a really good job in the show. The rest, of the, the rest of the group do a really good job in the show. And like I said, I've really got that Peter Pan vibe. It's like, let's imagine a bunch of kids with no adults around. What are they going to turn into? It's like, <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're going to be, like I say, growing up children still playing computer games and all that sort of stuff. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I found that really interesting. General Abbott and the <laughs> last man. The last men seem to be everywhere with their guns, with their nasty attitudes, and with their intolerance. I, I, I wonder what political leader would have inspired people like that. Anyway, <laughs> um, they really do seem to be like a gang from the Mad Max films. Ultimately, they don't care about the broader society. They're only worried about their own gratification and maintaining their power. The last men don't control everything, but they are more than able to take over whatever they want and take whatever they want. The last men are ruthless, heavily armed and happy to do essentially whatever they want, which I said before, but whatever. Those who defy them risk death. Uh, the last men also seek, seek and hunt down any hybrids they can find. While the last men are consistently in everybody's face during the, during the show, their leader, General Abbott, starts off as a shadowy, almost mythical sort of figure. By the time he does appear, it's pretty clear that he is up to no good. Whether he is working just for his own benefit, uh, which I suspect is the case, or maybe is seeking something bigger to achieve remains to be seen. I'm sure it's about consolidating his power and all that sort mm, of stuff. Mm. And, and if, if you know, he, well, I will say one of the things he's working on is a cure for the sick. So I would imagine if he did manage to achieve that, he'd then want to use that to his own advantage in the yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, you know, political power and or money and all that sort of stuff. So like I say, very en enigmatic for a main sort of bad guy, especially at the start. Certainly picks up towards the end. Anything I missed there or does that cover it? No, nah, I think you cover it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Aditya Singh and his wife Rani. Dr. Singh was one of the first medical staff to realize that the sick was taking place and the hybrids were emerging. His wife, Rani, was one of the first to get the sick, but has, he has somehow kept her alive. In the present day, they live in a gated community. In this community, if you display any symptoms of the sick, your neighbors will be kind enough to tie you up and leave you to die inside your house while they burn it down while singing Old Lang Syne. Dr. Singh and his wife then in a constant fear that her condition will be discovered. They do have a secret. Dr. Singh has access to treatment that is capable of fending off the worst symptoms of the sick, but the treatment will not cure it. Eventually, Dr. Singh reluctantly becomes directly responsible himself for trying to develop a cure to the sick. It is difficult, and as we find out, very immoral work, 
and it soon brings Dr. Singh to the attention of the last man and Abbott. Yeah, that neighbours, you know, tied up in their house while it's mm. burning down thing. It's like, oh my God. I know. I'm just like, shit. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, and, and, that, and, you know, Dr. Singh and his wife are helping them do it. It's like, oh, I know they yeah. have to. It, it, it comes under the, the thing that I'll talk about more later, talk about more later on, which is like doing what you have to do to survive. And, and it shows that, you know, in extreme situations, people have to do things that aren't exactly moral or nice yeah, or, yeah. or or correct. But you know, you don't want to get killed, and and that's that's the issue that they're facing. It's like if they deviate from what's considered to be acceptable in their community, they will either be kicked out of their community or they will be killed. Yeah. So, you know, and and a, and and it's thought provoking because you think to yourself, if I was in that situation, would I do the same thing? <laughs> it becomes like. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice to be the the hero all the time, but but it, it's this, um, and we'll talk more about it later. It's this ambiguity in the series and the implication that a lot of people have had to do things they didn't like to survive. It's that's the sort of thing that really draws me in. I I don't necessarily like, you know, the the black and white stark contrast between good guys and bad guys sort of thing. I like it when it's like these people are heroes. Sorta. Of. <laughs> that doesn't mean they still haven't had to do bad things and that sort of mm, stuff. But to survive, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's 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 really this sort of thing is really uncommon in Western media. It's it's much more common in Asian media, anime, and that sort of thing. But in Western media, oh no, no, people like their good guys to be good guys. But anyway, <laughs> Amy Eden and the Preserve. One of the really great things about the show is how it demonstrates people's lives changing as a result of the great crumble. Yeah, yeah. Often that change is driven by the fact that people have no choice, while others find that their new life, and this is the case in Amy, that her new life is actually more enjoyable than her old one. Amy Eden is a great example of this. Before the great crumble, she was a marriage slash relationship counsellor, and the old life we give, glimpse her living is not a particularly happy or satisfying one. I really like that montage of her just sitting yeah. there horrified while these people whinge about nothing but obviously now it's brought them to the relationship council and that sort of thing and it must be a shit job for some people because i bet you'd find people quibbling over crap so the great crumble forces her to shut herself in her office for a while when she eventually leaves the office she finds herself in a new world with zoo animals walking the streets and no people around. Very much I am legend sort of stuff, I thought, with that, except no zombies, thank God. She takes herself off to one of the local zoos, frees the last animals she finds there, and starts a new life. I, I don't, it, it was never really explained what she was doing there until later sort of thing, but at the start, yeah. it's like, she's just happy to live in a zoo. Must have been, I guess. Anyway, um, she sets up a, um, the preserve, a refuge and haven for hybrids, and pretty soon somebody leaves a small baby hybrid outside the, of the zoo. This girl, Wendy, becomes Amy's adopted daughter. They have a really touching and cute relationship. Mm. Eventually, more hybrids come to live at the preserve. Amy tries to keep it uh, as a safe place, but you can tell, and of course, it's only a matter of time until the outside world discovers her and makes her life much more complicated which really leads into yeah. the end of season one that sort of thing but i don't want to give away give away too much detail there so yeah i, I think that's all pretty much all the main characters in the show is it i don't, I don't think i left any i don't think there's anybody major yeah no i think i think yeah you, you I think pretty it. much covered it yeah yeah 
and and like I said, it's very much in that Game of Thrones style where the, for the first half done, it's eight episodes in the season, first half dozen episodes, none of them really have much in the way of contact with each other and that sort of thing. But then they slowly do start to have contact with each other and having an impact on each other. And I, I like stories that are woven together like that. When you're looking, it's like, how are, the, how are these guys going to end up, you know, meeting and all that sort of stuff. So, all right. So that's that with the characters. Let's move on to some more general sort of notes and see what we can get out of them. So first point I made, will there be more of this? What do you reckon, Macca? Yes. Season two has <laughs> been confirmed. Season two has been confirmed. Thank God. And it was only confirmed relatively recently. So they put the show out and they let it sit for a couple of weeks and build up popularity. And then they announced season two. So that was that was a bit frustrating, but at least they've done it. I, I imagine with the way the second and third waves of COVID are going, that it's probably yeah. going to interfere with the production of this show. Gee, probably, yeah. a virus interfering with the production of this show. <laughs> uh, just, just, just the irony mustn't be lost on anybody. It's like, we wrote this show, you know, we're doing this show about this and the real world's just as bad. I, I like that scene um, in the, oh, I think it was a second episode where it just had the family there sitting there wearing masks um at the food table and it's like yep yep <laughs> that's the sort of thing that might not have been in the original script but you had to put it in there because oh my god um so the next thing the next point i've got is how different is the comic book we're not exactly sure of what the major differences are until one of us actually gets off our ass and reads it sorry yep <laughs> but it's on like, the to-do list it's on I, the to-do list yeah I, I, the one thing i've heard is i don't know how to, ex- how to express this They've made it a little less, oh, I don't know if brutal is the word, but they've made it just a little bit, oh, I don't even know if pleasant's the word, but they, they've modified Look, it. It's not a bit of, a little less vertigo. If, if For those who, who read vertigo comics, it's, it's more of the adult, not, not meaning like porn and blood and guts and all that stuff, but it's, it, it, you know, the swearing and, and it's, it's a little bit more adult in content, um, which I assume was probably what happened in the comics. But yeah, as AJ's mentioned, they probably tamed it a little bit, I guess, for, for more for Netflix. Yeah, exactly. So the best description of the series I have read, and I, I normally hate these descriptions, but this this one fits perfectly <laughs> for once. And it's Bambi meets Mad Max, <laughs> which yeah. is just, just, just really. So did you have something as well? I think. Yeah, my, the way I, the way, like when I was watching it, just like to me, it's like a mashup of um, The Walking Dead and um, Where the Wild Things Are. It just oh, has okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it, I, like yeah i mean like, there's, i'm mean, sure there's millions of other i mean like oh yeah yeah uh, do you remember the show tripods when we were kids oh, AJ? Yeah, that was a great show yeah, yeah, yeah and to me it's a bit like that too because it's like you know there's certain classes i think it was of, of people and yeah, and like yeah. you know and you had to hide from certain yeah had to yeah. Hide the tripods and all that sort of stuff oh don't start me on tripods i'll talk all day <laughs> i've read the books man <laughs> <laughs> give me ideas um yeah it's got elements of that but but that's the thing it's it's like i i like it and and this has been a more recent trend to to try and portray more what i perceive to be more so like realistic post-apocalyptic worlds and that's people do turn on each other and it doesn't automatically morph into some sort of perfectly perfect society after everything goes to hell you can see you know, even with even with the sick and even with the hybrids, there's still a lot of other problems in society. You know, just basically law of the jungle sort of stuff. Yeah. People going around doing whatever they want, all that sort of thing. So I, I don't think this is necessarily a lot of problems they could all, all resolve in a second season, depending on how they want to structure it. But yeah, 
So, yeah, very Game of Thrones shot in New Zealand, which which is a really good location for this. Yeah, because you don't have roaming bands of rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) You just have roaming bands of um, Urukai and that sort of stuff. But anyway, so, yeah. The one point I'd like to make, and this is actually a warning for some people, in a lot of ways, this show is not for the faint-hearted or people who don't like tense situations in a lot of ways. Quite often, children are in dangerous situations. And in one particular thing, I'm not going to say exactly what it is, it didn't turn out for the best for a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, Mm. it's it's kids being put in real danger or getting killed is a really, really taboo thing in the entertainment industry there's you know there's very few films that deal with it and that sort of stuff of course in the real world well kids die all the time unfortunately but but in hollywood and places like that they don't like to kill kids but this is one where if you're a bit squeamish about that sort of thing i would say go very slowly or maybe even not go (laughs) with this show but you know what i mean i think it's a fair warning to say yeah yeah i I found i was getting a bit stressed (laughs) you know and i'm (laughs) I can cope with a lot of things. It's like, oh, I'm just sitting, it's like, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and normally I can cope with any old crap, but but for me, yeah. And, and that leads into the other thing. This show will be challenging to a lot of people. It asks questions in regards to morality and right and wrong. And it doesn't always spoon feed the audience in this area by making it obvious who is right and wrong. And that is just something, once again, you don't see much in mainstream entertainment. Mainly it's like, I can tell they're the good guys because it's obvious. I can tell they're the bad guys because it's yeah, obvious. Yeah. I was like, well, while the bad guys in this are sort of are sort of obvious, like I say, it's it's really ambiguous about what the good guys are, who the good guys are <laughs> necessarily and what they've been up to. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this sort of moral dilemma would probably drive some plebs nuts. <laughs> really <laughs> some people i can't cope with this just tell me who i'm supposed to be rooting for in this yeah. show and it's, it's not the bad batch <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got things like this, this is well written <laughs> <laughs> got things like and you know, a few spoilers now jeopard losing his family the actions of dr singh and his in inverted commas medical research which is mm. really troubling um what happens to people in the gated community when they find they do have the sick what would you do to survive? A lot of people don't worry about that sort of thing, although the way our world is changing today yes. and right now, <laughs> some of us are starting to think about it because, uh, as people might have heard, we're, we're, what, this is, is this week eight? We're two weeks, two months. Oh, I've lost count, man. Must, seriously. seriously. Yeah. It's, we're two- I mean, we, we, we went into lockdown before everybody pretty much in the yeah. eastern suburbs areas of Sydney. But, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah, so we, we've had two months of constant lockdown, pretty constant mm. lockdown now. And I personally, like I, as I've also pointed out, I haven't really talked to anybody face-to-face apart from you know, <laughs> through electronic means. I haven't talked to anybody face-to-face for two weeks now. And it's, it's weird. And, and it's, it's yeah, our, our, I think our world is changing more than a lot of people realise with what's going on right now. And I don't think there are, I think in a lot of ways, things are probably never going to be quite the same again. I'm going to be distrustful of crowds in the near future and yeah. that sort of thing, especially now that we do have Delta or the sick roaming, roaming around <laughs> and it's just so easy to catch. So like I say, this, the timing of this show is really serendipitous. And while I hope 
that we don't end up in a worse situation who knows and you know and yeah. you know you end up in, being put in situations um, where people do things they might not normally do and like i say it's just to survive so yeah in spite of the danger and the violence and the moral ambiguity um the show has and its heroic characters it, its heroic characters sorry do have big hearts as in real life the good guys are really struggling to win in this show yeah 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 i agree yeah yeah it, it's it, it does it does have a moral core but like i say it's it's still something where you're sitting there going oh my god but anyway okay my only real major criticism of this show and it's a technical one i'm sorry is the way <laughs> that some of the hybrids in this show uh, especially some of them that are more animal than human have been realized on the screen um, this to me is the main area where the look of the show is let down. One hybrid in particular, and we can both see the picture of him now, looks like yeah. a stuffed toy. Um, <laughs> maybe they were trying to save money in the budget. What do you reckon? Yeah, possibly. I mean, or, or, or they were trying to go for an organic look, maybe, but yeah. I know you, you can't always get that out of CG. Um, but yeah, but. I don't know, compared to the animal effects in a show like his Dark Materials, they could have done a lot better with this show. And I think they should have gone with full CG. You can tell the ones they use in, in um, Sweet Tooth are a combination of animatronics and puppets and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and and even though that, I've put a shot of his Dark Materials there. It's probably not the greatest example, but it's just, it's just that sort of thing. With his dark materials, you have a big polar bear standing on its hind legs and roaring at everyone. It's like that looks real, but but you, like, like I say, it, it just jars you out of the moment. A couple of times, a sweet tooth, especially when they're not, even if they're animatronic, they're not the most expensive ones. This is my only fault with the show, and it's like I say, it's only a technical one. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, do we say his name? <laughs> what, Bobby? <laughs> Bobby does look a bit dodge. <laughs> Is that is, I forgot. Uh, yeah, Bob, Bob yeah. looks dodge. A few of the other ones look a bit, a bit dodge. It, 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 it's graded though. You can tell they, they put the work into Wendy with the nose and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's, I think sometimes Pros the prosthetics are pretty good in this yeah. show. But sometimes it's when, when you can see a nose moving, you can tell it's um, probably a bit of CG as well. So they, they yeah. put a bit of effort in there to make her look like, and I have to say it unfortunately, pig girl. Uh, <laughs> just the nature of what she looks like. Um, yeah, she's a great character. I'm not trying to put it down. It's just how she is. But um, yeah, with 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 Bobby and just some of the other ones in particular, I, I could see them trying to keep them in the background and keep them in the dark in yeah. some of the episodes. Where it's like they're they're, they're trying not to they're trying to not focus too hard on somehow the, <laughs> some of them look. I don't know. I still think it's probably a budgetary concern more than anything else. Yeah, I think I reckon the, the 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 budget was probably spent more on Gus's ears and antlers. Yeah, yeah. Because that that it's not CGI. That is actually he's yeah. wearing that, and that yeah. and it's um uh what do you got yeah. radio controlled ears. Yeah. Um, and probably yeah also um the pig nose. Yeah. Uh, and and the way Netflix has been quite tight and like cancelling awesome shows like Glow. Uh, you're right. It probably has been a budgetary thing but now with the sec with with it being successful and the second season being announced and i'm sure was it mr robert downey jr who's uh a, yeah. a co-producer co or yeah. co-showrunner co whatever yeah um i think there's a bit more bucks probably to be spent i, I would, I would uh, for say the next so. season yeah because 
I can see where they're taking a gamble with this show with this show because people just look at the yeah. shot of of um, Sweet Tooth or Gus and go, "Oh my god, it's about furries." <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, I think there actually is a, another Netflix show with that with furries or something, AJ. Oh, so, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh. <laughs> or, or think it's some weird sexual thing or something like that. <laughs> and, and and it's not, and, and it doesn't even play up the cutesy elements. I, I do like uh, yeah, I won't go into detail. I, I do like the dear powers that they've given Gus, you know, it goes beyond yeah. just having antlers and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it, it's really got that sort of thing going for it. Like I say, just just the rendering of some of the other ones. And like I say, they managed to keep them fairly background or not too obvious. Although I think that boy who was um, had the reptilian thing, he had the tongue in that. I, I think he might have looked a little bit better, but he was only kind of like one or two shots, sort of thing. So they didn't didn't need yeah. to do much with him. So. Like I say, that that's the only thing I'm seriously criticizing out of this show. Everything else works pretty much perfectly. So as I say, the characterization is great, the acting is great, um, the overall look of the show is awesome. It's it's good to see comic books on the screen looking this good, or, or should I say, graphic novels. It it's good to have it's good to have new mythologies. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, you could sort of say, yeah, we've had. You know, there's a pandemic and there's like zombie apocalypses oh, yeah. and there's hybrid animals. But I think the way the, all that sort of, you know, that those sort of, I guess, um, I don't know, bits and pieces have been put together in a different way. And this has sort yeah. of come out and it's and it's fantastic. It feels fresh and it feels new, even though I'm like, you know, we've, we've had a pandemic. Yeah. We've had, you know, all this sort of other sort of things before on, in TV shows. Yeah. But I think yeah, this is just so well done. It's well written. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, you, you can see, you know, the elements it's drawing from, but it's it's still a unique product. Mm, and, mm. And, and like I say, that's what we need in this world because I'm, I'm not, okay, I'm not trying to bag out other franchises or anything like that, but we, we, we certainly know of some franchises where they seem to be in the process, they look like the snake eating their own tail at the moment. You know what I mean? It's like they're yeah. consuming themselves just with their own law, L-O-R-E, and that sort of stuff <laughs> that they, you know, seriously, it, 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 it's it's what's happening to a lot of shows. And it's like, sometimes you just need something that's got that freshness to it. And, you know, uh, you know, world building and all that sort of stuff, creating a new society, all yeah. that sort of thing. And it, it, it does effectively realise, and once again, you can see they're working within budgetary constraints, but, you know, to, it's, it's not cheap to create a post-apocalyptic world, even in New Zealand. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, it's just that sort of thing. It's just, yeah, it just has that sort of freshness to it where you're sitting there. And as you say, you know, you can say where the wild things are as well and Walking Dead. But, you know, it draws on the elements, but it still makes something new. And, you know, unlike other things, I'm not just sitting there like, like you know, I didn't mind the Tomorrow War, but that was a little bit more obvious from where they're drawing everything from. And it's like, okay, yeah. we're, we're going to be this show now. We're going to be this movie now. This, you know, Sweet Tooth isn't like that. It, it is its own identity and that sort of thing. And so it's got a lot of strength. I, I just, yeah, very, it's very binge worthy. I did eight hours, in, eight, eight episodes in 24 hours, which is also thanks to uh, <laughs> lockdown. But, <laughs> but, but at the end of each episode, you really want to see the next episode. Yeah. It, it, it's like, I think we did it in, I think we like we watched four or something, and then like the next day we did two, and then I think the next day we did two or something like that. But yeah, it, it's it's very, um, yeah, very binge worthy. Very, you know, I want more. I want more. Like I, I want season two already. I know that's impossible, but yeah, it, it, when you yeah. when you want something like that straight away to you know to yeah yeah like you know as I said, I, I mean 
Well, yeah, sorry. Like, yeah, they have the Bad Batch, you know, we, it, I don't know if you could say it was definitely not binge worthy and it wasn't oh. le- wanting, leaving you wanting to see the next episode as soon yeah. as possible where this has. And, it, you know, it's the same as I think, I think this sort of replaced, I think Loki finished for us and we just decided, I've been wanting to watch this and I sort of like, come on, can we watch this? Can we watch this? And then I finally got my way yeah. and, you know, bang, we were glued. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Loki, Loki had the same sort of thing where you're just hanging off every episode and that sort of thing, which, you know, the, the thing is, I, I think the thing is that with um, with the way that the industry has changed, I think you've got a lot more movie people working in streaming and TV and that sort of thing now. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, this is a show that, yeah, you really want to watch the next episode, which is a really good thing, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, like I said, we're not going to review, review all eight episodes, so Oh, the, you know, that's for you to watch. That's for you to watch, viewers. Yeah, listeners. So I'll give this four out of five. Really, really good. What do you give it? Oh, four and a half. Very okay. close to a five. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's not a problem. Yeah, definitely worth watching. So, yeah, go out and watch it. Get Netflix. Get a friend who's got Netflix. Whatever you need to do, <laughs> just, just go yeah, out. Yeah, watch it, people. And do yourself a favor, as Molly do used to say. A favor, especially <laughs> if you're in lockdown or in isolation or something. Yeah. Help. It's a perfect lockdown show. Yeah, Seriously. it really yeah, yeah. is. Although sometimes it's a bit unnerving in that regard. True, <laughs> true. Okay, so I'll wrap it up there. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we've enjoyed doing this one. So um, we'll be talking to you again soon. So catch you later. Adios, amigos. Who, what, where, when, why? How many ways can you lie? How many ways can you try? How many ways can you Actually, I'm just going to bring up a side note here that I'll edit out later. I noticed that the um, production of um, the Lord of the Rings TV series is moving from New Zealand to Britain now for some reason. Did you hear about that? Hello? Hello? I feel lonely. Hello, hello.